Hey everyone, you're listening to Spark, where we amplify the voices of the Middle East startup, tech, and innovation ecosystem. I'm your host, Shireen, and along with our guests, we share with you expert insights on the latest and most relevant news. Our goal is to help you easily digest trending topics and be better equipped to know what to make of it all. Hey listeners, I'm so excited to bring to you today's topic, machine learning and artificial intelligence. In this episode, I'll be sitting with Jamil Asfour, who brings over 20 years of experience in the space. He shares his insights about what are the industries in the Middle East who are utilizing machine learning and artificial intelligence, and more importantly, what governments can do in order to foster innovation in the space. I'm particularly excited to bring to you today's episode, especially after we delayed it for about a week because of the unfortunate bombings that took place in Beirut. We thought it would be best to not release a new episode whilst everyone focused on relief initiatives instead. And on a personal note, I'm back in the office at DIFC Fintech Hive after about a three and a half week long leave. As fun as the leaf was, I'm actually quite excited to be back. And that's because we've selected our 2020 Fintech Accelerator cohort. And as the program kicks off, I look forward to sharing with you insights from our learnings right here on the show. So make sure you stay tuned. And as always, enjoy today's episode. Hey, Jamil, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. I'd like to kick off by asking you to introduce yourself to our audience, please. If you can let us know about your experiences within machine learning and artificial intelligence across the years, that would be fantastic. Sure. It's actually amazing to be in the region. Uh, never exciting times and never been actually more exciting than now, I believe, uh, where technology and investments is in the core focus globally and on the micro level in the Middle East and Africa region. I have 20 years of experience working for Fortune 500 companies. Some of them are actually were the most and are the most valuable companies in the world, such as Apple. I've also worked for larger companies, IBM, HP, and number of investments companies and consulting firms. I'm a techie by heart and a hardcore engineer, so a bit geeky, uh, but I still understand the whole financial and business world. And hopefully I can give the audience some insight about what is practical and what actually works and what doesn't in this tech finance world. What part of tech are you most passionate about? I went into tech because I believe technology is a way of advancement to improve people's lives. When we talk about tech in general, the first thing that you want to improve is your well-being. So health tech is key. You want to improve the way that you actually operate, whether it's education, whether it is financial. So you have ed tech and fintech. You want to have better food. So you look at how you can improve agriculture how you can, you know, use less water. These are the things that actually excite me. Now, with the birth of IoT and AI, they have become the center of attention. AI and IoT go hand in hand. People like to talk about smart cities a lot. I don't believe there is a smart city, but I believe there are smart islands with bridges in between. It's very hard to have one smart city and one generic city. Where do they even begin? So the government, I think, will have to design it in buckets. You have to have governance. You have to have readiness of infrastructure. You have to have a robust policy and a list of technologies that are adaptable. And I call them a 70-20-10 rule. 70% are generic for everyone. 20% are industry focused. And 10% perhaps are company or specific focus for certain matters. 
to keep them just all agile. I would assume that amongst the countries in MENA, which are very many, the governments vary in readiness to accept IoT and AI, as well as across industries. So let's perhaps start with the UAE because that's where you and I sit. How ready do you think the UAE is to become smart and maybe reflect a world like the Jetsons compared to somewhere really technologically advanced like China or the States? Sure. So it's actually quite interesting. The The UAE is extremely ready on many levels. It had the first AI minister in the world. It was one of top five in the AI strategies in the world. The UAE has been investing since 1971. The UAE has been investing in infrastructure. And obviously, when the pandemic happened, they actually were able to mobilize and capitalize very quickly. While everybody, you have 11 million population, was working from home, the internet, the infrastructure was fine. And also, they have advanced. So they have been, for many years, visionaries in looking at Dubai Future Foundation, established that, established, you know, FinTech Hive, established Hub 71, which is part of Mubadala. They have been investing in many accelerators and startups, not only from a government from a government level, but also they're actually enabling entrepreneurship within. You have the entrepreneurs that are actually building an ecosystem, and you have the government that's supporting and building an ecosystem. I know there is a strategy around, um, you know, by 2021. Uh, most government should be electronic, about 70% plus. On the blockchain, right? On uh, blockchain, exactly. Even, and, and you know, this is amazing because the UAE is a small, nimble country. So it's able to advance and spearhead a lot of these technological advancements, unlike China and the US, who is a big ship, very hard to steer, with many layers actually of protocols, I would say. The UAE is nimble, is quick, and is able probably to spearhead. We were one of the first, Arab, actually the first Arab country to go to Mars on a scavenger hunt, I guess, not too long ago, a few weeks ago. So this shows us how the UAE is actually advancing in the technological system from a government perspective. You mentioned that the UAE government has established a lot of accelerators to promote entrepreneurship. Do you find that the entrepreneurs come from MENA by nationality or do these entrepreneurs come from abroad? The reason I'm asking is because I'm curious, is the talent required to build AI and smart cities homegrown or is it something we need to import that the government needs to import? Uh, it's a very interesting question. So you need, you do need a critical mass. If we are to break it down, the talent comes really from universities. The UAE does not have critical mass by people graduating from universities, although we do have, you know, uh, Sheikh Mohammed bin uh, Zayed AI University established in Mustard City in Abu Dhabi. But still, we don't have enough universities that are graduating critical mass in as AI engineers, designers, and etc. So you need the critical mass. I would say most of the talent needs to be imported at the moment from AI and programming. Although there are initiatives like the Million Programmer, Million Coder initiatives and others. But from my view, from uh, working for investment offices and investments, there are nationalities that are coming from Southeast Asia, from Africa, and from the Levant area. Uh, these entrepreneurs are coming to enable 
and expand within the ecosystem of the UAE and the market of the UAE and what they have to offer. Also, we are importing international talent, such as you know people from China and people from the U.S. that want to expand in the region and find the UAE actually a delightful and a critical market to expand within because the UAE will give them the nice governance, nice access to 400 million people. And actually, 2.5 within 2.5 hours, you will get access to about 2 billion people of the population. So they find they want to start here and expand from here. And there are many programs actually that incentivizes people globally to come. There are, of course, some local talent, but I would say critical mass is a key right now. Very interesting. How would you compare the readiness of the other GCC countries? In in KSA, I believe there there is a little Jetson-like community or area called Neom, I believe supported by university. Actually, I did work in Saudi Arabia for a while. So I was actually advising on the Neom-like projects. And there's King Abdulaziz uh, Kaust, uh, King Abdullah, sorry, Kaust in the Western province of KSA. I believe Saudi Arabia is the 800-pound gorilla. It's a critical market. It is the largest in the Middle East and in the region. It is a market that's very important with lots of cash. They have established the fund investing in many startups at the moment. They have been actually promoting Neom with robots and really a, a super special ecosystem that is, you know, robots are roaming the, the city. Uh, they have broken ground about um, a year and a half ago. The vision has been actually for five years. And I think it's supposed to be finished by 2025 to 2030. Uh, given COVID, maybe 2030 is a more likely scenario, but I think they're bullish on finishing it in 2025. So I believe Saudi Arabia is advancing and catching up very quickly, but the UAE is a bit more advanced and the preferred market at the moment due to regulations. Kuwait is has an amazing fund. Entrepreneurship actually has been there for many, many years but it's a small market and a closed country. Uh, Same thing with Bahrain. Bahrain actually advanced as the fintech hub, but I believe Saudi Arabia, where Riyadh, they have King Abdullah Financial City, and Abu Dhabi has, uh, you know, ADGM, and Dubai has DIFC. Globally, they have shed a lot more, uh, sorry, they have been able to attract a lot more talent than the rest of the GCC. So, Jamil, speaking of targets, you touched very briefly on the UAE's blockchain strategy. I believe 50% of all government transactions need to be on the blockchain by 2021, which is six months down the line. And I don't see much of my transactions being on the blockchain. Despite putting ambitious targets, what does a government need to do to make sure that they are close to meeting their targets at minimum, if not exceeding in meeting them? I believe uh, the vision in general, a vision is great. And actually, it's good to be ambitious. You know, without ambition, we were not able to touch the stars. So with ambitions, we're able to go to Mars and, you know, to have the first astronaut in the Arab world. At the same time, we do recognize that these ambitious targets need a lot of execution in the background. So a lot of partnerships with multinational firms, growing the home, uh, home growing the local talent and the universities. Execution, I would say, is key. And sometimes execution is difficult. The implementation is challenging in general, not only in the UAE, but globally. The consumers, we became very technologically advanced and demanding. 
we want actually to kind of whip a magic wand and make things happen just like that. Which usually, as an engineer and as techie, it takes longer. I think we live in a very instant gratification type of a world these days. <laughs> you want everything to be done at the touch of a button. Absolutely. Let's touch a little bit on use cases. So, Jamil, I would say back in 2018, when I first started working in scouting fintechs, my banking partners all came and told me, AI, machine learning, data analytics uh, is a thing. Please share with us some use cases. Find us some startups doing interesting things in this area. All I could find were really chatbots who could help banks serve their customers better and more effectively and more efficiently. And AI tools that promise to make the decision-making process of loan disbursement easier and faster. Are you familiar with other types of use cases? When you asked me in the beginning of the episode, what made you get into this industry? I said, I believe technology is a t- it's an advancement and innovation to help human beings. When I'm frustrated, I don't want to speak to a machine because it does not have empathy. A chatbot that is smart that will spit out answers is not smart for me at that moment. I do need the empathy part. There are companies in in fintech specifically that are talking about health, uh, wealth management, sorry, specifically. There are companies that are looking at the communication between each transaction, which is key to be very, very secure with uh, a very top grade encryption to enable customers to communicate and to make transactions between the bank and the central bank. So this is actually pretty hot because usually you can steal a lot of uh, data if you don't have the right encryption. I believe another thing is there is the wealth management and there is also, in addition to the communications, there is also advisory. But what we have not mastered globally and locally is the empathy part and the understanding what technology should do for us. We think if we deploy an AI, we can reduce X amount of people, which is absolutely not what you're supposed to do. And I think it becomes a conversation is, are you trying to cut costs by using technology that doesn't really work fully? Or are you trying to advance as a company and digitally transform it? If this is your goal, then you don't reduce people you actually reshape their skills and reutilize them for something that's more useful. And you look at technology to take over the mundane work that human being will get bored after a while doing. Jamil, I want to focus on empathy since you mentioned it and also use this as a transition to talk about healthcare use cases. Health and well-being are critical for us. Of course, we all work to be healthy or to live. In regards to the healthcare, they are using today artificial intelligence by gathering as much data as possible, as soon as possible, to be at the doctor's fingertips to make faster decisions. So and for instance, a cancer diagnostics, instead of doing all these tests and taking weeks and figuring out what solution, I actually have at my fingertip as a doctor, hundreds of use cases, if not thousands of use cases globally, where I can narrow down the type of medication that I need to give the patient. Now, what we are looking at with the COVID-19 vaccination globally and the race to really reach, reach a vaccine, I only can speculate. Artificial intelligence is, build, is, is actually being used 
heavily in that department by building use cases and scenarios on what is the best option to reduce the amount of trial and error to reach actually an FDA-approved vaccination. There is a, a medication for influenza that was designed by a Japanese entity a few years back. The trial takes actually five years for them to reach the vaccine level, and they were able to complete it in one. And that's because of using advanced AI modeling on how the vaccine will react, and this actually can work faster than a human. Have you come across any, UA, uh, let's say, MENA-founded health tech companies that utilize AI? Not yet, but to a degree, there are companies such as, for example, uh, there are companies at the moment in the UAE where are using an app to build your appointment and do telemedicine. And there is another app, which is the ZocDoc version, version of the US. And there's also another application in the UAE, which is like Ask the Doc, sorry, in globally in the MENA, and it's also in the UAE where it's like Ask Doctors globally, it's the version of it in the Middle East, where it looks like you research, you can ask the doctor a question, reach your, the research answers, and they're using some AI algorithms, both of them, to make sure the appointments are available, uh, whether it's the decision tree type AI, or it's more kind of the deep learning. Okay, this person asked too many of the same questions, then we need to actually suggest these kind of doctors for them. And probably they need to look at, you know, these medications and they need to contact these type of people. I'm curious, Jimmy, do you use any apps that are AI or machine learning powered in your day to day? So we can go back in time, uh, you know, how Google, when you start looking at suggestions, when you start Googling something, more the more and more suggestions will come in, whether it's marketing and others. Most of the applications are actually uh, have data structures and data analysis. The AI element is new, and it's only in the programming, a library that you can add in there that will start looking at structured and unstructured data and will start learning from it and giving you examples. So I would say any application today the users are using has some kind of a data analysis in it and some kind of an artificial intelligence build up to it. Jamil, you also earlier mentioned autonomous vehicles. How soon do you want to drive in a car that drives itself? Oh, wow. Um, it depends. I think the answer is when I'm very sleepy, coming late at night, I certainly would like to have for this to happen immediately. I believe the UAE is national agenda. They have, especially in AI, they have used the UAE as a test bid for companies to come and build level five autonomous driving. Oh, I wasn't aware of that. Perhaps you can talk a little bit more about the local initiative. I thought it was the big companies investing in this. I've recently read Amazon invested in an, in an purchased, actually, they bought out an autonomous driving vehicle company. What's going on locally or regionally? So basically, they're trying to allure these companies such as Amazon, Google, Apple, etc., to come in and we have the regulations and we'll give you the place so you guys can test this. Because in places like China and the U.S., sometimes it's harder to, to get the regulations approved and passed. Over here, it's more robust and we actually test it properly and we have the areas that are dedicated for it. When you say regulation, what what regulation or who would be the regulatory body responsible and what type of regulations would come into play? The government, I would say it's probably part of the Ministry of AI where they will impose certain policies on what type of, for example, autonomous driving we can import, what level. 
you know, what safety specs they should have to be able to operate on the road. And this is where we talk about artificial intelligence lack the empathy today. So there are humans in various government entities that set the borders for ethics is what I'm understanding. Is, is that correct? I believe there are policies, there's governance, and there's a ethics, correct. I wonder how the lines of ethics blurs from country to country, actually. Oh, that's, that's, that's going to be very interesting. That's very complicated. I would say there has been a debate for many, many years, and there will be a debate for many years to come. Privacy and ethics will be key for regulating technology in the future. You said that the UAE has a top AI strategy. I'm curious, because top seems subjective to me. What makes it objectively top? It's very interesting. So what makes it objectively one of the good strategies is they're actually exposed to the strategies of China, Canada, Singapore, the US and others. They're able to take the best out of these and create their own. And what makes it top is the execution. So they are pushing these through by getting the right talent, getting the right policies, making up the, the right rules and implementing. Technology is supposed to make a difference in a human being. And we should utilize it properly because it can be a double-edged sword. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. This has been a very interesting conversation. I hope our listeners also find it interesting. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in today. Don't forget to subscribe to future episodes on your podcast listening platform of choice. And whilst you're there, leave a review and rate our show so that other aspiring innovators can find it. To find a summary of our discussion today and links to our guests, access our show notes by visiting our website, sparkwithshireen.com. You don't want to miss out on future announcements. Subscribe to our newsletter or follow us on LinkedIn and Instagram at sparkwithshireen. Before you go, I'd like to let you know that we love hearing from our listeners. If you have any comments or suggestions for future episodes, including guest or topic recommendations, drop us a message through our website or social platforms. If you didn't have a pen or paper handy to write all this down, don't worry. We've gone ahead and added all these links in the episode description. All you have to do is scroll down and click when you have a moment. As always, thank you for listening and see you next time.